Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can return to your seats tonight, young people. Amen, amen. If the rest of you would remain standing, some of you jumped the gun on that please be seated thing. That's how you know you're in an apostolic church. Isn't it great to be in camp meeting this year? Amen. Let's try that for everybody else. Isn't it great to be in camp meeting this year? Amen. It is my high honor tonight to get the privilege to introduce our speaker for this evening. Before I mention our speaker, I think it would be in order to give great honor to our First Lady, Sister Faith Gill. And if you were at General Ministry Conference and heard her speak on both occasions, we almost slotted her for tonight. And pastor's probably wishing we would have about right now. But I give her great, great honor. Excuse me the personal illustration, and I'll be brief. But a few years ago, my wife and I was in probably one of the most difficult seasons of ministry we'd ever been through. Be honest with you, we were looking for a way out, not of the ministry, but out of our current post. And all of a sudden, on a Saturday evening, I got a random phone call. How many of you know with God there's not many random things? Brother Gill said, we're going to be in the area. Would you all be able to have dinner with us? I might look silly, but I'm not. There's nobody just happens to be near Vivi. I was being set up. On our way to dinner that night, I told my wife, if you've ever listened to me, you listen to me. Let's play it cool. We went in there and we had dinner and we opened our hearts. During those couple hours we spent with Brother and Sister Gill, we were loved, we were heard, we were guided. But most of all, by the time we walked out, we were empowered. We got in the car and I looked at Lisa and I said, that's exactly how I want people to feel when they've been touched by our ministry. These great men that have served us before have served their season. Great leaders. I think personally of Brother St. Clair. Nobody has pushed me more to pursue a move of God than Brother St. Clair. These men serve their season. The man that is coming tonight is going to serve his season. And it is without a shadow of a doubt that I believe that we will be guarded, will be heard, will be loved, will be guided. But I believe we will be empowered for apostolic revival. Would you honor my pastor, our bishop, Brother Tim Gill? Let's love the Lord together in this place. Hallelujah. Would you lift up your voice? Give God praise in this house. Hallelujah, Lord, you're worthy. Jesus, you're worthy. Praise the Lord. Amen. You can be seated for just a few minutes. We have done a good deal of honoring today, and that's good. 
Because how many know that honoring is adding value to people, adding value to their lives? And so I want to just honor this district. I believe we are part of the most fantastic, greatest district. Amen. Not only in the Assemblies, Lord Jesus Christ, but all around. Can you thank the Lord for Indiana District? Churches, people, the kingdom of God. That's you. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be a part of you. Praise God. I want to say thank you to the district board. Amen. What a privilege it is to serve this district with this board. There are some mighty gifted men that help lead this district, and I'm so very thankful for them. I'm thankful for all of our departments. Amen. Each and every one of you that are working to grow the kingdom. This is not about a position. This is not about numbers necessarily. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about me. It's about him. Somebody say him. Praise God. And, and hasn't the camp team done a great job? Amen. And we're going to be talking more about them. But all those that have put camp together, can you thank the Lord for all that? All that are online tonight with us, we're so thankful for you being here. Our guest speakers, Pastor Mayo, thank you for reading from Esther again. We needed that message. Amen. We needed that message today. Amen. Monday night, we've had such a tremendous, tremendous time. And to our former superintendents that are sitting up here today, these are great men of God. And don't you appreciate them? I know I do. We wouldn't be here without these men. Praise God. Amen. To my MPC family that is here tonight watching online, that took last Thursday off to pray and fast for your pastor. I appreciate you so very much, so very much. To my family, amen, uh, I pulled a, a, a judicial or uh, whatever prerogative you want to call it. I've got my bishop sitting on the platform with me tonight, Bishop Walls. I'm so thankful for him and love him dearly. Amen. And also... Sister Gill, my, my wife, Faith, I, I appreciate her so very much. Amen. She's the organizer. I told it, and I'll tell it again. If you see me running for secretary, call the people in the white coats because I've lost my ever-loving mind. I appreciate so much her health, helping in what God is doing here. And also to, to my daughter and her husband, the new pastors in Wabash, Indiana. Amen. Glad for that. To David and Grace, I appreciate them so very much. They are our right hands in Medora and helping in the kingdom of God. I love them very much. Would you stand with us, please? I see Pastor Scott here from Michigan. Amen. Are you, are you here by yourself? You are here by yourself, but it's so good to see you. Amen. We're glad to have you with us tonight. Would you give Pastor Scott a great big hand? I want to talk to you tonight from my heart. I want to talk to you that I believe that the healer is in the house.
I believe the one who was wounded for us is here to heal your broken heart. He is here to touch your captive life and set you free. I believe today that the great uh, liberator of those that are bound and battered and bruised can be free tonight. My, I thank God for the setting of last night's service and the kickoff and, and what Pastor Bounds did. But I know the Lord is going to do some great things throughout this week. Amen. And I, I come to you with a word from the Lord. I want to direct your attention to the book of Mark, please. Chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I do not approach this night tonight lightly. I don't know when I've been this nervous preaching. So I'm going to need this to be more than a monologue. I need this to be a dialogue. You know how you dialogue with a pastor and a preacher? You say, Amen. Amen. The book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 35, says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, Notice this question. We would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. Lord, do for us what we desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant us that we may sit, one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, You know not what ye ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of and with the baptism I am baptized with all. Shall you be baptized? But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when they heard it, they begin to be much displeased. Somebody say, I know that's right. They begin to be much displeased with James and John, but Jesus called them to him and saith unto him, You know. That they which are counted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man come not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. I stand in total need of your power. Lord, I pray, God, that what you have delivered into my spirit, that I may deliver it to your body. Help us tonight, Lord Jesus, to flow in the Holy Ghost. I stand willing and ready to be a voice. But God, not without your power, not without your presence. Oh, Lord, we love you today. We magnify you today. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house? Lord, we worship you. Oh, we praise you. 
Praise God. Before you're seated, turn to somebody and just simply say, the king's cup. The king's cup. The concept of greatness and the idea that someone can be great is perhaps the most subjective, arbitrary argument of all times. What does great mean after all? What is the criteria for greatness? Someone who is great is someone, they say, who has major significance, importance, distinction. Someone who is great possesses uncommon skill and gifts. Greatness is manifested by producing extraordinary results, so we are told. The world calls these preeminent people goats of all things. Goats. I know that stands for the greatest of all time, but I'll just honestly tell you, I would not want to be called the goat. The greatest of all time is the best, the foremost, the finest quality. Think of the greatest of painters, and you might mention Michelangelo or Rembrandt. Mention Dickens and Shakespeare or Hemingway. And just the mention of one name, you would think of great writers. If I told you Tiger, Phil, or Jack, you might be a golfer who would recognize this great group of golfers. If I say Jordan, LeBron, or Kobe, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? They sit for hours and debate over this. All they need to do is ask me. I will tell you who it is. It's Larry Bird. We humans admire greatness. We celebrate it and even sometimes worship it. What makes a great pastor? What makes a great preacher? What makes a great saint in the pew? Amen. What is the attendance another that puts you to the place that you are now a great pastor? When you reach 75, 100, 200, 300? What makes you a great pastor if it comes to the numbers? How about the evangelist? Is there a stat sheet that will determine the greatness of evangelists? How many people do you have to baptize till you get to the place that you can say that you are great? How many Bible studies do you have to teach every week till you get to the place where you can say that you are great? Amen. What does it take to slide from the level of mediocrity to the level of maximum so that you can be said to be great? What does it take to be a great assistant pastor, an associate pastor, or a youth pastor, or a discipleship pastor? What does it take to be a great saint to be able to say that this person is great? What is your tithe quota got to be to be great? I paid 10% tithes. R.G. Letourneau paid 90%. Ooh. Greatness.
this is, again, one of those universal pursuits that we talk about and we discuss and we, we think about it. But I want to tell you tonight, the reason for that is because God created greatness in us. God created greatness in you. You have a built-in blessing called be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. You were created to be great. God placed within each of us the capacity for glory and greatness. When he made man, when he designed man, we were destined for greatness. That's not just an Old Testament principle. That is a New Testament principle. God said that we were to be fruitful. The word of the Lord said, John 15 and 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. Somebody say amen. That you should go and bring forth fruit that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the father in my name he may give it you Paul told the Colossians walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work Jesus said my father is glorified that you bear much fruit God is great and he wants his great power to be working in us so the glory of God can be on display. The desire to be fruitful, the desire to be successful, the desire to be great, it's not an abomination. It is not an abominable trait. Amen. They are chosen, created traits that God put inside of us. Amen. We work hard then at being great and fruitful. We think about the numbers and we pursue the numbers. If we run five on on our very first Sunday, we start a church, we're doing good. If we get to 50, we're doing good. Amen. And we begin to think that along those terms about greatness. But the real question tonight is what does it mean to be great? And how do you become great? If God created it, created it in us, amen, and James and John requested it. They requested, they said, grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand when you come into your glory. Amen. The scene before us unfolds as Jesus is making his final trip to Jerusalem before his crucifixions. Amen. Mark begins to write and you see the emotions are running high. There's an ominous sense of dread, uncertainty within the hearts of Jesus. Mark 10, 32 says, And they were on their way going to Jerusalem, and Jesus went before them. And the Bible says they were amazed. The disciples was watching as Jesus is going before them, and they're amazed. And they were following and they were afraid. How many know sometimes you got to follow when you're astonished and don't understand and you're afraid and you don't understand, but you follow him anyway. Jesus is walking ahead of them. 
The disciples are falling behind. They're amazed. They're astonished and they're afraid. He senses this and turns around and tells him, he said, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be delivered under the chief priest and under the scribes and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles and they shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and shall kill him and the third day he shall rise up. Jesus said, listen here's what's coming suffering is coming sorrow is coming amen but we're going to glory we're headed to glory but before we get to glory we're going to go to suffering we're going to go through some sorrow I'm about to feel my liberty in the Lord tonight what happens in the next verse is astounding in itself Jesus is saying, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, I'm going to suffer. They're going to beat me, they're going to hit me, they're going to crucify me, they're going to, they're going to do all this kind of stuff to me. And you know what? Here's what James and John is hearing. They're hearing this and they somehow, according to Matthew's writing, go to mama and say, mama, will you go ask Jesus for us? If we can sit on the right hand and the left. Jesus is going to die. He's going to hang on a cross. And they're thinking position. They're thinking power. They're thinking authority. They're thinking, I want to get close to him. How many know power, authority, position is not bad things? But who in the world in their ever-loving mind will take the moment that Jesus says, I'm going to die, and they want position? Lord, my sons, read Matthew's writing. Mark doesn't tell it, but Matthew does. Mama comes up. As my dad would say, Salome. Salome comes up and says, Jesus, would you let my boys one sit on your right hand and one sit on your left? What kind of guys? I don't know what the custom is. I tried to find it. I could find nothing other than mama's boys and mama taking care of their boys. And, and mama's going to see that their boys are feathered into the, the betterment of the kingdom. Lord, would you make my boys one and two? Lord, would you let my sons be the closest to you, one and two? Lord, would you let my sons have the greatest authority, one and two? Would you let them be on the right hand of power and the left hand of power? Amen. Jesus had declared again and again, I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer. Matter of fact, this was his fourth time to tell them, and they still couldn't get it through their fixed calls that he was going for a kingdom that they did not understand. He was going to die, and they thought he was was going to conquer Rome. There are places in Christ that we want to go. There are places, hear me tonight, there are places in anointing in Christ that we want to go. There are places of power that we want to experience. We're hungry for it. We want to get there. But what we're doing is that we're seeing the season and we're seeing the times. And instead of discerning the times that is talking about suffering, we want position. We want prestige. We want authority. Amen. But wait a second. There's
way to greatness. There is a path to greatness that Jesus wants us to understand. James, John, your pursuit is noble. Your motives are noble. You're looking for a position of honor. I created you that way. But know you this. Can you drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of? Can you drink of the king's cup? Amen. You want greatness? Here's my cup. You want closest to me? Here's my cup. In Scripture, a cup speaks of a portion of life. The cup is determined by its contents. Amen. So the Lord said, do you want the contents of the king's cup? Amen. You want to be fruitful in your ministry? Here's my cup. Amen. You want to go places with me? Here's my cup. Amen. You want to walk in authority and power? If you're going there, you're going to have to have my cup. Amen. Let me tell you, the king's cup is not the cup of relaxing. It's not the cup of fast advancing. It's the cup of suffering. It's the cup of anguish. It's the cup of agony. Amen. We want to be like Jesus, but we want to bypass the cup. The American church today seeks painless discipleship. Uncomplicated church work, trouble-free ministries. Amen. We have swallowed the lie that struggle is unimportant and pain is to be avoided. I want to be advanced to the top, but there is a kingdom dynamic that we have got to get a hold of in this generation that says, if you want to sit with me, you got to drink with me. If you want to be by me, then you're going to have to drink with me. Don't give us sacrifice. Give us smooth. Don't give us trouble. Give us triumph. Surrounded by the old gnarly olive trees of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will. Judas betrays him. What a horrible betrayal. Sip the cup. Officers with torches and weapons. They brought weapons to arrest Jesus. Sip the cup. Judas kisses him on the cheek. On the cheek, it's a sip of the cup. Oh, the, uh, Simon Peter, brave old brash Simon, pulls out his sword, swings it. I believe he meant to cut off his head and cut off Malchus's ear. You know what Jesus said? Put away thy sword into thy sheath. The cup which my Father hath given me, shall I not drink it? We want to escape the cup with a swing of a sword. We want to escape the cup with some kind of device. His cup is a cup of suffering. It is a content of pain and agony. 
It's the content to hear Pilate say, I find no fault in him, yet the people outside are hollering, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. It's the emotional pain of blood seeping out of your pores as your body is under great stress. It's the constant attack and ridicule of those that were supposed to love you. It's the crown of thorns that dig into your scalp, amen, but really it digs into your soul. It's the trained expert that is an expert in torture that whips his back. It's the harassment of hell vexing and tormenting his mind as he hangs upon a tree. I want revival, but do you want the cup? I want greatness, but do you want the cup? I want to see the dead race, but do you want the cup? Beaten and spit on, lied on. I want to be like Jesus. Then watch for one of your saints to lie on you. I'm going to this side. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. Then watch it when somebody betrays you. I want to have preeminence and sit by the Lord. Then wait on it. Suffering is coming your way. Isn't this a great camp meeting service? Isn't this a great camp meeting? We got people running the aisles and shouting. When Jesus hung on that tree, three hours of light, three hours of darkness. You can believe what you want to. But I believe in the hours of darkness, every hell, hellish devil, every dark angel, every demon, every minion swirled around his head, putting thoughts in his brain. You think that you have got anxiety? He went to a cross to carry it for you. You think you got a problem with your mind? That was in his cup. Amen. Spurgeon described the cup this way. He said, Satan and demons shot their hellish arrows into his heart. They poured their boiling cauldrons on his brain. They emptied their venom into his veins. They spat their insinuations into his face. They hissed their devilish fears into his eyes. He stood alone. The lion of the tribe of Judah Hounded by the dogs of hell. You want to be great in the kingdom of God, James and John? Then here's where you're headed. You're headed for some times where nobody is going to be with you and you're still going to have to follow me. You're headed for some times when things are not going to go good. You're going to have a bad service and you still got to follow me. There are going to be times when you have a calling to the kingdom of God, to missions, to a work, and you may be like the Edmonds and spend four years without one adult ever being converted. But can you drink the cup? Can you drink the cup? Can you hold on? 
Here's something Isaiah said. Isaiah said, he gave his back and his cheek to them that plucked off the hair. He hid not his face from shame and spitting. He gave it to him. What is in the cup? What is in the cup? James and John, do you still want to sit by me? Do you still want to be great? There could be no true kingdom, kingdom greatness without drinking in the cup. Jesus said in nine of chapter of, of Luke chapter nine, verse twenty-three, he said, If any man will come after me, let him let him and take up his cross. Whoo! Hallelujah. Somebody said, God's my name on it. Take up his cross daily and follow after me. When Jesus had been beaten and after he has back was given to the expert tortures, after his head had received the crown of thorns, they put a, crown, a cross upon his back. And as he was stumbling, the Bible says something very interesting. Amen. It is something that I think that, that we need to look at today. It, is that, let me get to the right verse. In Mark chapter 15 and verse 23, the Bible said, And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. This is him going on the way to Calvary. Before he was ever nailed to a cross, there's a group of Jewish women that had a ministry of mercy, if you please, and they would mixed together a concoction of wine and myrrh that was so powerful that when they gave it to those that were suffering that it would bring instant relief. It was such a powerful narcotic that they would become instantly numb to the pain. And these ladies were kind and they were wanting to help out. But when it came to Jesus, he's stumbling and suffering. And he says, no, no, I'm not going to numb the pain with some kind of sedative. I'm not going to numb the pain with somebody's else circumventing the process. Are we looking for shortcuts? Are we looking for shortcuts? The world has its cup of greatness that values position over purpose. More interested in being called pastor and bishop and evangelist and prophet, apostle, than they are living right. It's the cup of the world that is being offered. It's the cup of the world that says, here is power over submission. It's more important to lay down the law than it is for you to lay yourself down. It's the cup of celebrity status over servant status. It's more important to be seen than it is to be served. That's what the world is offering to us, a liquor. A sedative, if you please. 
shortcuts over sacrifice, unrighteous ambition over godly ambition, success over character, purity, amen, has been offered on the altar of popularity. Name and fame is now more important than an altar with God and saying, I'll go to the cross with you. Whatever that takes, I'll take that cup. Jesus said, whosoever will be great among you will be your minister. So they offered him the first cup before the cross. And after they nailed him to the cross, there's at least two, possibly three, bishop. I went to my resident Bible scholar to make sure that I'm on tap. There's possibly three times that Jesus was offered drink during this process. The first time on the way by the women, the Hebrews to give them wine mixed with myrrh. The second time, and for the sake of this message, I'm going on the first and the second. You study the third when it comes to your time to preach. Jesus is now hanging from the cross. He's writhing in pain. He had just said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A Roman soldier ran and sticks a sponge full of vinegar wine mixed with gall and puts it on a stick and stuck it to his mouth. He's having a conversation with Pastor Paul McGee. He quoted the scripture to me. And I said, whoa, I got to study that. Matthew chapter 27, verse 34. And they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted it, he would not drink of it. This is where we are in 22. We're looking for things to help us better do our job. And so the devil offers to us a drink that says, here, this will help you. Can I preach to you? The drink is known as Pascha, was made from a mixture of wine that had been settled and was going bad. It was a cheap drink of the common class. The Romans mixed it with spices to create their very first energy drink. I'm going to give you an energy drink. It's going to boost your strength. It's going to help you in this process. I'm going to give you a little bit of taste of something that's going to move you forward. That will get you through. And, and Brother Mayo, he tasted of it, but he didn't drink it. Have pain in your worship? I know. Elevation can help. Hillsong can help you. Where's those folks said they'd be with me? There are some things that you and I can get connected with that it's good to taste, but we better not drink. I said there are some things that are good to taste, but we better not drink of it. got a lackluster leadership team I know spend thousands of dollars and go to a big name leadership conference 
go right ahead. I'm not against that. But you better go back to the cup and drink of the king's cup and realize the only way to greatness that Jesus said comes not through a leadership conference but through a cup of suffering. Can't seem to get a brink in your church numbers? Catalyst might help you. Taste, but don't drink. Are we medicating our ministries with mindsets and models that are really American-made and not Calvary-made? There is a temptation today to try to not only numb our pain, but find a quick route to get a boost of energy, to get us to our point of destination. Amen. So we have an unteachable spirit. Let's numb that sucker. Amen. We want to medicate a dysfunctional character. Let's just get a good diagnosis of a Roman brew and help us out. We want to follow ministry models that are easy to swallow and easy to maintain. But my Lord said, if you want to know me, You've got to go and drink of the cup. There's a cup that is waiting for you. There is something that we can't overlook in our road to greatness. And it's be careful what cups you drink of. One Jesus refused, one he tasted, and then did not drink. What are you accepting that's numbing your pain? What mindset are you accepting that is numbing your pain? I'm going to stop right here. It's not in my notes, but I'm going to back up right here. I'm not talking about pain that you suffer because you have an immoral lifestyle. I'm not talking about pain that you suffer because you can't manage your money. I'm talking about kingdom pain, things that happened to your family you had no choice over, things that could come into your ministry you had no, that was nothing that you had a choice over. Amen. It's an outside force. It's an issue that comes into your, your world and it turns your world upside down. I want to tell you how the greatness comes in the kingdom. It doesn't come by having a name. It doesn't come by having a degree. It doesn't come. You, those things are great and good. I'm proud of my name. I'm thankful for who I am. But the cross is the pathway to glory. No wonder Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. Whoo, somebody shout over that. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Woo! I want to know him. He's the same one that said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. I drink the stuff of cuppering with him, not because I'm Savior, but because he is. I drink the cup of suffering, not because I am king, but he is. Paul said, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us which are saved is the power of God. I'm talking about the king's cup. One drink of it. 
It's bitter. It's horrible. And then Jesus in his agony made this statement. It is finished. One of the most powerful statements on the cross. There's a revelation in that statement because it's the last sip of this cup. It's down to the very last dregs. Any of you coffee drinkers like to get those dregs all piled up at the bottom of it and you want to swallow that? Bitter tea with dregs in it. I drink unsweetened tea. My family calls it dirt water. He drinks the last of that. And he says, it is finished. Can you go to Isaiah 51 with me? 22. Thus saith the Lord, it's thy Lord, the Lord, and thy God that pleadeth the cause of his people. Behold, I have taken out of thy hand the cup of trembling, even the dregs of the cup of fury. Listen now. Thou shalt no more drink it again. He didn't stop there. He said, but I will put it all into the hand of them that afflict thee, which have said to thy soul, bow down, bow down, that we may go over, and thou hast laid thy body as the ground and as the street to them that went over. I've come with a message for somebody tonight is that there is an end to the cup of suffering. There is an end to this cup of sorrow. There is an end to this cup of pain. There is an end to the cup of heartache. There was another time when the disciples argued over the greatest. And who was the greatest? The Bible said in Luke 22, verse 24, and there was also strife among them. What are they arguing over there? Which of them should be accounted the greatest? I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. I got the bigger church. Mine costs $5 million. I can't hide behind this. Well, mine cost $10 million. I'm the greatest. I prophesied three times. Well, I prophesied five times. I cast out two devils. I cast out ten devils. Do you know where we get that? We get that from the American culture that promotes goats and promotes the greatest based on statistics, based on stats, rather than the cup. Now, you got to understand, as they're arguing over being goats, what had just happened? Look at the verses before that, and you will find that Jesus just revealed at the last that there is one called Judas that would betray him. These guys have the worst timing of revelation in the world. Okay, Lord, who's the greatest among us? Judas is the betrayed us, but who's the greatest? My Lord, help me, Jesus. I got to keep on. Then look at the next verses. 
Are you ready? Verse 25. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. What is he saying? Don't follow the world's model on how you do things in the kingdom. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether it is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Jesus is saying, if you want to sit by me, you're going to have to serve with me. All right? Then look at the next verse. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. You are the ones who have continued with me in my tests and trials. You are the one who have drank the cup with me and will continue to drink the cup of suffering with me. You are the ones who have stayed faithful with me. Amen. And he says in verse 29, And I will appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and do what? Sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. He is saying, here is how you get to the throne. Is that if you want to be on the throne, you got to walk with me in suffering. you got to walk with me in trials. If you want to be the greatest, then you're going to suffer with me. I have studied this book as much as I know how and read about suffering and about hope. I've read it. I've taught it to our church. I've preached it because I've watched our saints going through some of the worst torment that I could, you could ever imagine. I got stories that will curl your toenails about what people have suffered and gone through in this day and hour. And I begin to study. Bishop, I begin to study. I begin to study about the suffering. And I can find places where the suffering is mentioned with Christ. I'll find that. And then I got to find places where glory is mentioned. And the glory of God and how you're to see the glory of God and you know what I can find that suffering is there but always glory is there there's never a place where there isn't glory hanging around suffering amen wherever there is suffering there's some glory sure to follow now I can find glory by itself but you'll never find suffering by itself I'm telling you if you can drink the cup amen of the king on the cross then you can drink the cup of glory with him in an empty tomb. If so be you suffer with him, you'll also be glorified together with him. That's what Paul said in Romans 8. Peter said, you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when its glory is revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Paul said, for my light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh to a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Greatness. Greatness. What is greatness? According to the Jesus model, greatness is those that continue with him in his suffering. Amen. 
You know what greatness looks like? Greatness doesn't look like you just broke your attendance record three weeks straight in a row. Greatness looks like that pastor that is all alone and that people are leaving him, yet he remains faithful to God. I'm tired of the devil putting greatness things upon you on what greatness looks like. Greatness does not look like the mega church model. Greatness does not look like what this world is trying to tell us it looks like. I do not want to embarrass anybody. Amen. Did I see Pastor Bibbs in the house? Pastor Bibbs, come, can, can you come down here? Praise God. You want to know what greatness looks like? It's a pastor who a car wreck breaks his body up, and he still stays faithful to God when he could have given up. You know what greatness looks like is that when they're baptizing people and you're not there and you're still loving God and still staying faithful to God, let me just tell you the cup of suffering for us may be different and our cups may be a big cup or our cups may be a little cup. But if you'll keep on drinking, it will come to an end. And on the other side of the cup of suffering is the cup of glory. And the psalmist said, my cup runneth over. My runneth over there's not an end to the glory praise God what does greatness look like greatness looks like this brother right here you know what happened when I went and visited him in the hospital or in the rehab place I walked in got my you know got my my, my friend and my superintendent's mindset, I'm coming, I'm going to encourage him. Baloney, I left encouraged and strengthened by he and Sister Willis. I am meeting great opposition in the spirit right now because I'm busting some bubbles by the Holy Ghost power that says your model needs to be realigned and recalibrated more than just numbers. Count your numbers. Count the baptism. Count the attendance. Count your offering. But that's not what makes you great. What makes you great is not my will, but thy will be done. I'll shout when I don't feel good. I'll praise God when it's bad. I'm not milly-mouthing about how bad I got it, but I'm going to praise him when I'm up, and I'm going to praise him when I'm down. Bishop, will you come with me? my hero right here written over 40 books last count is 58 countries he's been to preached the gospel all over this world probably has one more souls than I, I could ever even think about reaching taught people I believe he's a mission apostle but you know what impresses me 
is every day when he walks into the sanctuary, it's this. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Three times. You know what makes him great to me? It's because I know he buried a son at the small age of, what, five? Five years old, buried a boy at five years old and could have quit. That means no book would ever have been written, no missionary fear would ever been gone to, no souls being won. But because he said, I'll drink this cup so I can get to the cup of glory. I'll drink this cup of suffering. I'll walk like Lot, or, or rather walk like Job and say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name. It's time to realign your ideals. Of greatness. Greatness is at the, the foot of Jesus before it is at the throne of Jesus. Just a couple more minutes and I'll be done. Again, do not confuse your immoral behavior as suffering. It needs to go to the cross. <laughs> But he needs to die there. But I will tell you what the cup of suffering will do. The cup of suffering will burn out areas in our life that our character needs to change. You learn who you are, not when you're shouting and hooping and hollering. You got great numbers. But you learn who you are when you're all alone, betrayed, hurt, wounded, offended, And yet you still, you don't, you don't, oh, I wish I could just shut up. You don't talk about people and how bad they are and how awful they are and what done they've done wrong, what they hurt me. And the, I've been there. I've been to that bitter place where it ate me up like a cancer until the day I went and asked forgiveness. And I was in the right and they were in the wrong. But God said, if you want to be free, you need to learn how to drink some cup. You need to learn how to drink the cup of forgiveness. You need to learn the cup of let it go. You need to learn the cup of God's will, not my will. I wish somebody would understand today that you are called to greatness and your greatness not, does not begin with your title. It does not begin with your position. It does not begin with how much money you have. It begins with a cup. A cup. Today our cup of suffering does not look like the cup of suffering of years gone by. Right now, the cup is right here. Right here. All this mental junk that you and I are battling, it's a cup. We say, God, take it away from me. We say, God, take it away from me. How many of you know my dad? Anybody in the building knew my dad? A few? I watched my dad. I was too young to know this, but my Oldest brother died in a car accident at the age of 21. I was two years old. He buried that boy. And he had already started a, a missions work in Mexico. Already had a church going. And God took him. I was standing on the banks of Calcasieu River in South Louisiana. Down there by Oberlin. What's that? Quiet sandbars, fishing. My older brother, 14 years old, drowned in the Calcasieu River. 
I watched as my dad, I was seven years old, watched my dad bounded like a Navy SEAL. Pulled him out of the water. He was already gone. There was no life in his body. We were in the middle of nowhere. And those of you who know my dad, I just wish I had his voice. His voice would sound like a, a lion. And I remember as if yesterday, I command life to come back in this body. I command life to come back in this body. Pastor Ball, for one hour and a half, my brother lay dead, and my dad kept praying. Amen. But I can tell you as a testament of the power of God, my brother sneezed, and life came back in his body. How are you going to handle your first suffering will determine how you handle your second suffering. Greatness. Greatness. What does it look like? It looks like what you drink in the cup. Quit complaining. And embrace the cup. You want to sit on the left and the right? Drink it. Just drink it. You study the history of that church and those two brothers. James was the first to die. John was the last. God said, I'll show you what left and right looks like. James was the first to be martyred. They tried to kill John in boiling oil, according to history. They put him and dipped him in boiling oil, and they couldn't kill him. Because God wasn't finished with him yet. And I don't care, hear me, I don't care what mental anguish you are in right now. I don't care what boiling oil of demonic oppression you are in right now. There is a power of God that stands right here right now to set you free. But if he never touches you, if he never heals you, he will give you the grace and the grit and the power and the mental capability. And he'll give you the ability to say, I am not going to give in. I'll drink this cup because there's an end to this cup. And on the other side of that, it's glory, it's glory. Come on, lift your hands in this place. Who's the greatest among us? Kind of looks like Pastor and Sister Cannon. Who served God faithfully with what a lot of people would say is a handicap. No, it isn't, brother. It may be a cup, but there's an end to it. And on the other side of that, there's glory. Just keep walking, keep believing. Hallelujah. What does the cup look like? He couldn't be here tonight because I had a surgery. I believe his grandson looks like Judd Sears. It says cancer's going to kill you, boy. But he never stopped worshiping and praising God. Can you lift your hands right now? There's some greatness in this building. 
Come on, music. There's some greatness in this building. Just stay where you are because we're about to make an altar call here just in a minute. There's some greatness in this building. And you don't feel like it. You're a pastor and people have beat you up and chewed you up. You're a worker in the kingdom of God. And authority has abused you, manipulated you, lied on you. And you're hurt by it. Good. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to let it become bitterness? Are you going to let it become a cup in the king's hand and say, I'll drink that because on the other side there's victory. I claim my peace of mind. I claim joy for tomorrow. I don't claim bitterness. I claim forgiveness. I claim being set free. They tell us that Charles Spurgeon wrestled with deep bouts of depression, yet was called the Prince of Preachers. David Brainer, who is said to have prayed for hours upon hours and upon hours, died after only four years of ministry with depression. This ain't no new thing. This ain't no new thing. But if you're battling mental issues in your mind right now, whether it come from abuse, torment, or even physical, whatever it is, if it's in your mind right now, step out. If it's in your mind, Lord have mercy, look at these kids that are coming. This is the battle of this generation right here. Some of you are holding on the back of your chair because you, you think that there is some kind, of, some kind of slam against you because you have some mind issues. Are you going to listen to the world tell you what to do with it? Or are you going to listen to Jesus Christ tell you what to do with it? Do you want to be free? So do you want to be free? Come on, there's some adults that need to come right now. Battling with <laughs> He's teenage struck. I believe that right now the devil's going to get off some of your heads. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You've done what Pastor Bounds did, said the other night, got rid of stuff. But I'm going to talk to you about how to handle the cup of suffering so that you can get to the cup of glory. In the name of Jesus. Come on, there are others. Look at these folks. Come, come on. Come on, adults. Come on, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. Can I tell you that same that same man that raised the dead in my family, my mom suffered from mental illness for all of her life. And God never healed her, but she kept on living and loving God. Hallelujah. He's able. Whew. Come on, press your way in. Come on, make a step right on up. Look at this. This is the cup of this generation. This is the battle of this generation. Amen. In just a moment, Pastor Wilkes, I want you to get ready to pray. I'm declaring freedom from this side to that side. I'm declaring that God can heal you or he can take you through it. The same is the same power, but there's glory on the other side. Somebody say there's glory. There's glory. There's glory 
On the other side, is there any broken ministers here today? Is there anybody that you're hurting from things in, in your life and ministry? Come on. Come on and stand. If you're, if, you're, if you're hurting right now, amen, because your church isn't doing like you think it ought to do and you feel like a failure, come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Just a minute. I'm going to turn you loose. Come on. That's, that's it. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Pastor Wilkes, will you come? Obey God. Come on. Let's lift up a praise right now. I know you're praying, but lift up a praise right now. If you were here last night, Brother Bound spoke about a moment where he had young people put all the things they were struggling with in a garbage can. He said they brought that up to the top of the platform and he kicked it off. Do you remember that? He said when that trash can hit the floor, the power of God broke loose. And it hit me in my spirit. That's what we used to call breakthrough moments. Now we just sing about breakthrough. And it pacifies our longing for a real breakthrough. But I believe there is a glory cloud about to sweep over this house. And I don't mean to be ugly, but it is absolutely bogus. It is bogus to believe that that message was for just a bunch of teenagers suffering. I believe every called man of God in this room needed that message. And I believe when we get ready to pray here in a moment, there's going to be a glory crowd sleep over here. There is going to be an apostolic breakthrough that's going to be released in this house. Come on. Would somebody shout hallelujah? Now listen to me. I'm going to pray and get out of the way. I'm pretty simple-minded, so God's got to use me that way. But I have learned there is one thing absolutely always that brings in a dimension of deliverance in the room. It's the spirit of victory. And there's only one way to get it. It's not your problem going away. It's not even your battle going away. It's when you begin to praise the name of the Lord. And there is nothing that lifts up the name of the Lord greater than when you reach way down in your soul and say, Hallelujah! So I dare you right now, from the very depths of your soul, I dare you to shout, Hallelujah! Come on, shout, Hallelujah! Are you ready? We're going to do it one more time. Let the power of God fall in this house. Come on, Hallelujah! Come on, let's begin to rejoice. Let's begin to rejoice. an end to the suffering I said there's an end to the suffering 
I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost right now, the suffering's almost over. Weeping has endured for a night, Brother Scott, but the suffering's almost over. I see people all over this room anointing themselves. Come on. It's time for your cup to run over. Come on. Come on, men of God, lift your hands. Lift your hands till your cup runs over. Lift your hands till you feel it break. Lift your hands till you feel delivered. Jesus, I declare healing in this room. In the name of Jesus, I declare healing in this room. Come on. Lay your hands on somebody and declare healing in Jesus' name. fill the house let his glory fill the house
somebody full of the Holy Ghost in this room to lift your hands right now. Lift your hands all over this room. I'm about to speak a word, a declaration of freedom over you. And when I get done, I want you to begin to receive breakthrough into your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I declare this generation free. In the name of Jesus, I claim the apostolic Indiana district free in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, I bind every spirit of hell that would bind our minds and bind the revival in our churches. I loose apostolic revival. I loose apostolic anointing. I loose breakthrough in this room. Come on, I loose it right now. Somebody receive it, receive it.